Good evening. Shall we all stand? Let's ask the Lord to help us in this service tonight. Brother DeStefano, would you offer an opening prayer? Amen. You may be seated, at least for a little while. Let's start with 481 in our hymn book tonight. 481. Where he leads, I'll follow. Sweet are the promises, kind is the word, dear far than any message man ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, sinless I see. He, the great example, is a pattern for me. thinking as we were singing this song, down through the centuries of time, uh, there have been many, many leaders who garnished lots of followers, and uh, the stories are many of those that they led to their destruction. And I'm glad for all these years now, we've followed one that will never lead us astray, only going to lead us to heaven. That's where we're going if we follow this one every day, as the song says. All right, someone with a praise tonight. Or a chorus. 
453 in the hymn book. All right, nothing but the blood. think this song is pretty plain, is it not? It's the blood and nothing else that's going to get us to heaven. Nothing but the blood. All right. Anyone else tonight? Turn in your books to 597. 597. A request was made this morning by Sister Naomi 
but we're going to sing this song, The Cross is Not Greater. Amen. Thank God for his grace tonight. 597. The Good song. Good song tonight. All right. Anyone else with a praise? Or?
Good testimonies. and I have been studying in the Bible and right now we're working in numbers. What a book. <laughs> when we go over all of the sacrifices that they needed to bring for their sin, hundreds and thousands and thousands and all those 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness and all of those things were what they were supposed to do to take care of their sins. And Jesus all by himself. He's taken care of all of us, given his blood. I Amen. praise his name. He is so worthy. Yes, yes. We have often talked about that, and I've thought of it so often. What a mess that was. I mean, you know, we used to butcher at home, and, you know, just the mess you had with, Butchering one head of cattle or one hog or, you know, and the cleanup and, you know, they don't have, a, they didn't have all the nice sanitation uh, that we have today. And uh, I tell you what, you travel some foreign country, especially like in Jordan, places like that where they, they uh, do their butchering right on the street. I mean, and so I think about all that and what, what a mess, yet that was what was required and God provided and helped them through it, but oh, for the day when the cross went up. Amen. What a day that was, and we've benefited from that. Praise his name. All right, anyone else? 435. All right, my faith has found a resting place.
to him, he'll never ask me out. And I'm so glad for the times that I came back and came back. He never refused me. His grace multiplied and forgave me. And I'm so thankful for his forgiveness and that he he just draws us closer. Yeah. And I love you. Amen. Amen. How true that is. If we all would have had just one opportunity and that would have been it. Probably not many would be here tonight, but I'm glad that Jesus is patient and he loves us and he'll never turn us away. Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead, Brother Kohler. I appreciate that word, who sweat. Yeah. Who sweat. That included me, a sinner saved by grace. It's all because of his blood that I'm here tonight. Thank the Lord for saving grace. Amen. 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 Anyone else before we sing 433? All right. Last wow. night for Jesus. I'm glad that uh, my faith has found So many voices in this world, so many different opinions and ideas. I'm glad we can stand upon the written word of God. Our faith can be in something solid. We don't need to worry about our, all the wind and wave of doctrines that come and go. Right. His word is true. It says, all this, the heavens and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Right. And that is something so solid and sure stand upon. My faith is resting in his word tonight. I'm glad he saves and sanctifies. He keeps us day by day. I'm glad that one day he took out Sing 433, my faith looks up to thee. <laughs>
All right. Anyone else tonight share? All right. While we're in the hymn book, let's sing 410. Sister Spangler was playing this as we came in tonight. This was, uh, I guess if you call it a short list, uh, this was one of my songs this morning on my short list. <laughs> uh, and it didn't get to the pulpit, but uh, this is a good song. No one ever cared for me like Jesus, and how true it is. Let's sing it, 410. Change the order of the service here.
455. Anyone else want to testify before we sing 455? All right. Four fifty five. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them fall in ceaseless praise. Thank you for your singing and for your good testimonies tonight. Amen. A lot of good hymns, a lot of good words uh, in those hymns. Praise the Lord. Well, a lot of things coming up. So we have March the 1st over at Penview Campus at 7 o'clock in the Tabernacle. 
Um, Glenn Galt family, missionaries to Africa, uh, will be here. That's a, um, a combined focus from several area churches. So Brother Galt has been here at, at our church, but uh, this is going to be different churches coming together. So that's March the first Friday evening. Mark your calendar, 7 o'clock uh, in the tabernacle there on campus. So let's keep that in mind. Bus and Outreach Conven Convention is March the 5th, 6th, and 7th, and that's down at Lebanon. Uh, this year, I think a lot of that will be live stream. Uh, many of the sessions, maybe not all the sessions, but a lot of that, um, if you're interested in going down, if you want to go down with the group, whatever, uh, I plan to go down at least some of the time. So let's um, remember that uh, for our bus, the bus uh, and, and outreach convention. And then our revival uh, with brother and sister Joe Smith uh, from Hartville, Ohio, uh, will be with us. And people say, is this, the, is this the guy that tells poems? Yes. This is the guy that plays banjos? Yes. And this is the guy that laughs a lot? Yes. So good friend of ours, Brother Joe Smith, will be with us. I just look forward to it uh, so very, very much. That'll be March the 12th through the 17th. Uh, so keep that in mind. March the 21st. That's a Thursday night. March the 21st, Thursday night. Swissy will be here. And God's Bible School and College Ensemble uh, will be here uh, with conductor, none other than doctor. Is he a doctor? Well, don't tell him I said this. <laughs> Dr. DeStefano uh, is coming to direct. And uh, we're looking forward to that. So he'll be with us and uh, the group. And that's coming up on March uh, the 21st on a Thursday night. Um, so you keep that in mind. They'll be coming in early, so we'll be in touch because we'll need to do uh, a meal prior to the service. And then we need to find a place for all of them to stay in all of your houses after the service, okay? So we've got rooms reserved over at Penview already. My wife and I can get rid of, <laughs> get rid of, we can, take, we can take care of quite a few of them. And, uh, but then we need your help. So if you're available to help us, uh, to be able to keep um, that, we'll have a list posted. There'll be like groups, maybe like two young ladies you could take or two young men you could take or a couple. I know Brother Questenberry, uh, his wife uh, will be with us. So different ones will be with us. So we'll have you uh, help us out with that. And they were planning to come and were scheduled to come back before COVID. Does anybody else remember that? And we had to cancel because they had to cancel the whole tour. So, but they'll be with us. That's a Thursday night, March the 21st. Mark, March, mark your calendars, and let's keep that in mind. And if you can help us to um, house some of the young people, it'd be quite a few. It'd be like having the choir uh, come. I, I was something was very interesting to me the other day. Now we live close by Penview, so um, we don't keep their students when they're here because they go back to the dorm, of course. But Brother Durkee told me something um, the other day when we were talking. I think it was this last tour that they were on that only one place hosted them to be able to stay. And the rest of the time, they have to motel. That is expensive. I mean, that's outrageous nowadays. And uh, so when Brother Questenberry called again to see if this would work out, and uh, he said to me, he said, now, he said, if we need to, we can get hotels. I hope we don't have to get hotels, folks. I hope we can house them in our house. And uh, back, our house is back when we traveled in the group. Uh, my wife and I traveled in the choir probably back 20 years earlier when Adrian and Rebecca traveled in the choir. 
<laughs> not really. But we stayed in people's homes. And we met people uh, that way, and we became lifelong friends with people where we stayed, and we ran across, run across them later in life. So uh, it's, a, it's a good time to be able to uh, fellowship as well, and it helps out the school. So let's um, keep that in mind. And then uh, some of these that uh, are coming up is April the 9th through the 11th is IHC Gatlinburg. Let's remember that. Very important one coming up is June 1st, Mount of Blessings Camp Cleanup. That's going to be very important. We're going to have a lot of work days between now and then, but that's the kind of the cleanup to get ready for camp. And so, and then there's youth camp and regular camp and um, all that happening. But if you can keep those earlier dates uh, in mind uh, for us, we would appreciate it. As we go to prayer tonight, we want to remember Mike, who's still sick. He's, he, he, he gets feeling better and then cycles back, Mike Fulmer. So let's remember him uh, in prayer. And he's had this for like, uh, three weeks. Brother, Brother Wise's wife has had this for like three weeks or so. It just kind of cycles. You know, you start think you're getting over it and then it comes back. And uh, so let's remember her in prayer. Brother Adrian's sister was taken to the hospital today? Tonight? Yeah. Tonight. Afternoon. This afternoon, taken to the hospital. Let's remember his sister in prayer, Jerry Thomas. Um, let's continue to remember him in prayer. Uh, so Jerry has a heart valve that it's been this, it's been leaking for quite some time. It's worse now. And so they were planning to do surgery coming up. And then he had this other little episode, which he's come through that. He's home. We're thankful for that. But he will still have to have um, surgery uh, if he's physically, if he's well, strong enough uh, to be able to have this. So let's remember him in prayer. Let's remember Sister Dorothy, who's still holding on. Let's continue to remember her uh, in prayer. We think about her and we think about um, Dave. And Linda Beachel, well, I mentioned to you before about um, Linda might have to have surgery where they go in and do this uh, procedure where, she, where her spine is, is uh, fractured. They were going to use some kind of glue or something uh, to go in there. But now it looks like the doctor doesn't want to do that. They don't want to do that. She's relieved by that. She didn't want to have to have that done. So hopefully this will maybe heal some on its own. That's what our prayer is, but let's remember her. Let's remember Brother uh, David in prayer, asking the Lord to touch him. He's, he's home, but he's been very, very um, sick, so let's continue to remember him. I'm so happy to see Sister Doris here. We want to continue to remember her and keep her on our hearts. Sister Naomi, we want to continue to remember her in prayer, keep her on our hearts. Um, Ellie's boy, we want to continue to remember Stephen. Keep praying for him. Do you have any requests? We want to remember Susan. Think about Susan. Um, she, Susan's very low. Uh, I was to visit her um, Friday, maybe Friday, and uh, she fell. I gave out a one call about her falling. She had to have five stitches in her head. She got home from that. She's doing okay from that, but she is still very low. So let's remember her and Paul in prayer and their family in prayer. I'm sorry. Yeah, I still can't hear that. Brandon. Okay, all right. Let's remember this request. Yes. Anything else? Anna. Yep, let's remember Anna. Anna was, Anna was happy to come to church today. We were happy to have her today. And so we're, we're glad. We're glad even though it took a hip replacement to get her happy to come to church. <laughs> Not really. We're thankful for She's just doing well. She's doing well. We appreciate her and John. She's doing well, and we're thankful for that. Let's continue to remember her in prayer. Our outreach ministry, um, 
those that are involved in that, helping downstairs even. Uh, let's remember them in prayer, um, the families. Uh, some of the families, they, they have a lot of crises going on internally and different things and just been praying for them, asking God to give them direction and help. And um, I, just, I just believe that God has answers. God has answers. And we let God have his way. God can work. And so we're just praying that way. Anything else? Okay, all right, let's remember this request for Matt. Remember Matt in prayer tonight. <clears throat> There's a lot of sickness in the area all around us. Hospitals are full and uh, emergency rooms are just full up over their, their, their past capacity. And uh, not just here in our area, but this is a nationwide problem right now. And uh, we need God's help. We need God's help. Fact of the matter is, I was reading something this week. This is a worldwide problem. What's happening today is, is worldwide. Uh, we have what I would consider to be an outstanding health care system here uh, that is really being taxed right now. But in a lot of countries, they don't have what we have, and they're still being taxed. You know, I mean, pressure. You know, there's pressure. And so um, we, we need God's help. And I thought about something this morning during the Sunday school lesson, Brother Adrian, you know, when we talk about uh, being obedient and uh, to those that have authority over us, we talk about the, the law and our country and our leaders, and of course we do want to pray for them. But I thought about this, even while we sat there in the, in the lesson, I thought, you know, as a person or a people push God out of the picture, Things crumble quickly beyond control. And so they just wrestle with themselves and try to fix and try to fix and try to make laws and make rules. And, but you know, folks, what we need is God. It's what we need is God. And so let's pray for, for our nation, pray for our country tonight. Unspoken request, I'm sure there's other needs, burdens on our hearts. Let's kneel tonight. Brother Stefano. would you lead us in prayer?
right, ushers, will you come? Come to you for the evening tithes and offering. While they're coming, um, remember, Fort Myers Rescue Mission camp meeting starts this week. Uh, Levere and Michelle are down there cooking. Brother Fuller, Jeremy Fuller is an evangelist down there. So let's remember um, them down at Fort Myers Rescue Mission and uh, pray for them. And I'm going to make a flying trip down and back. And uh, I just ask you to just pray the Lord would give us wisdom uh, down there. Brother Plank, Harry Plank is the chairman of the board. And the, the, the work has gone through some transition, but it is a good, viable work. It's a good work. And God has helped Fort Myers in a lot of ways. And uh, just ask you to remember them. And then I think about their camp meeting this week. It starts tomorrow. Um, I think about their camp meeting. And I, I just thought, you know, just be wonderful to just see some people just say, right out of the rough, because that's where they come from, right, right out of the rough. And so it would be good for us, if you think about through, throughout the week, um, just pray the Lord would just uh, touch down there and help. Brother Ledger, as he uh, leads, he's temporary uh, director for now and as he leads. Just pray that the Lord would just continue to uh, work there. They have Bible class, and Brother Fuller will be preaching, and uh, it would be, be nice to see a wonderful, wonderful uh, camp meeting down there. Brother Roy, will you pray over the offering? song that's a good uh, song for me right now during this time of life amen praise the lord he's the rock that's where you can keep your anchor from the storm amen praise the lord speaking of storms we got snow last week down at um camp hebron more than they got here i don't know what we got brother brenizer six inches or something like that maybe six inches of a heavy 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 wet uh snow and it's in the woods, 
it's where you park. It's kind of in the woods, parking lot. And so uh, Brother Brenizer drove his car down there and looked around to see which tree would fall. <laughs> Not really. But he parked out there in the parking lot. Uh, I think he was next to, uh, who was he next to? Joel? Joel? Next to Joel and our, our, our pastor down in Lebanon. But, um, and a big tree, the top, just the top of the tree, fell out, broke off, fell out. The, the bottom of the tree, the, the limb was probably that big around, wasn't it? It was bigger than that. <laughs> well, you know, it might have been. It was that big. It fell on his, it fell on his Toyota and crushed it. <laughs> no. I, I think it was, I tried to move it. He didn't. And I couldn't move it. But anyhow, it was this limb. The, the base, it just snapped off, fell on this car. It smashed uh, the window out. It smashed the uh, arm pillar. It smashed the hood. It smashed the door. It smashed the fender. It smashed the bumper. Wow. It got, got, got all that, didn't it? And so they t had to tow his car around, tow his car away, and so it, it, they totaled it. Uh, not only his car, but also Rob, Dick, and his car, which was another off-brand. <laughs> and uh, it had a tree fall on it, and it just crushed it. You know, when you build a car out of tin can, uh, it not, doesn't take much. But anyhow, so it just crushed uh, their car. And so they're, they got to get another, they have to get another car. So you help us pray about that uh, with them. Pray that, uh, find the right car, right price, and uh, be able to get a, a, a decent car um, for the money. This isn't necessarily the greatest time to be buying a car right now because of the price, but um, just help them pray about that. And uh, you join us with us. We've been praying the Lord's will be done just to help them. And so I think he looks at one maybe t tomorrow or the, early this week. And so... Whatever the Lord's will will be done, uh, you help them, uh, you help us pray about that. All right. And by the way, he took a poll. He told me this today. He took a poll this morning. And I just feel this way. The young people at this church are very intelligent. Because he told me, he said, Brother Spangler, he said, I took a poll in there to see what brand of cars to, to, was the best or what kind of get, something to that effect. And he said, Chevy, one out. <laughs> So Chevy beat Toyota and uh, Honda and Yuzichu, whatever they are, everything out there. Uh, but anyhow, so um, <clears throat> whatever car he gets, we just want to pray that he finds a good one for the money. So he help us uh, pray about that. All right, we have a special number in song, Brian and Phoebe and a couple sidekicks. As I travel day by day, oft I meet with pain and sorrow, and there's trouble in the way. But I have a sweet assurance that my soul the Lord will lead, and in Him there is strength forever. 
sufficient for me. for me when the tempter brings confusion and I don't know what to do on my knees I turn to Jesus for I know he'll see me through then despair is changed to victory Every doubt just melts away, and in Him there is hope for every day. Oh, His grace is sufficient for me, and His love is abundant and free. Joy fills my soul just to know, just to know that His grace is sufficient for me. And what joy fills my soul just to know, just to know that His grace is sufficient for me. That one won't fall now. <laughs> Appreciate that song this evening. Appreciate the message of it. I would ask you, as a church, to pray for our bus ministry uh, throughout the next couple weeks. I feel very strongly that the devil is fighting. Uh, we've had opportunities to work in the lives of this family I've been requesting prayer for, and then there, another family uh, that, that, remember there was a story a while back about some kids that were coming to church, and then situations happened, and they weren't around anymore, and then we found them again, and coming to the church, well, stuff has started happening in their family again, and they need the Lord's help. It's one of Eric's coworkers, but I just feel like the, de the Lord is giving us opportunity to minister into these people's lives. He's given us opportunity of being able to meet with a dad of one of these families, which is, which is incredible. When, when do you get to talk to the dad? But I think the devil's fighting very hard. Uh, tonight's attendance um, on the bus was the lowest it's probably been in a, in a long time. And I just think the devil's fighting. So I'd ask you, pray. Pray especially for the bus ministry throughout the next couple weeks that God's will will be done, that the devil will be defeated. You know, when you do God's work, when stuff starts to happen, the devil doesn't like it, and he fights. But our God is the victor, 
Our God is the omnipotent one. Our God is the one that can break through. But rather than rather than strategies, rather than plans, rather than, than, than more prizes to get the kids to church, and all those have their place, we need prayer. We need God's spirit, and we need his help. So just thinking about that tonight, just thinking about it, sitting up here on the platform, God, help our bus ministry. God, come through. You've helped us in the past. We're at a place right now where, where there's the, there is the opportunity to see families one for Christ. I believe that. I believe we're at an opportunity right now to see families one for Christ. That's their decision. They have to make the decision whether or not to turn to Christ. But God has given us the opportunity to minister that way. But we need, desperately need, the Lord's help. He's the only one that can do it. And so throughout the next couple of weeks, think of the bus ministry. Pray for that. Pray for Matt as well, brother. Pastor Eric mentioned that, uh, mentioned that this evening in prayer request time. Pray for Matt as well. There's another family, another family that could come into God's kingdom and find all that he has, all that he has for them. I'm thankful to be part of God's kingdom tonight. I'm, thank, I'm so thankful for that. Matthew chapter 6, I invite you to stand with me uh, to read God's word tonight. Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin with verse uh, 19. I'll give you a moment to turn... Uh, there to that passage. Interesting in my pool today as I was taking pool on car brands. There was another brand that I got up there pretty close to Chevy. Make Zach awful happy that those Dodges were coming up pretty high. But the most interesting thing about that pool, there was one thing just so interesting about that pool. There was a certain individual I asked and I could not get them to tell me, Brother Spangler, what car brand to vote for. And if you can't convince your wife, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who you can convince to drive a Chevy. But anyway, that was, that was interesting today, to taking that pull. Matthew chapter 6, we'll begin in verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness." No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Brother John Stolzfus, would you ask God's blessing on the message, please? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This, of course, is the next section, you might say, in talking about the Sermon on the Mount and all that Jesus has in the Sermon on the Mount. There are so many messages that you could dig out of it. In fact, this tonight, if you really wanted to break it down, you could dig uh, multiple messages, I'm sure, over the passage that we read tonight. But Jesus has very specific teachings for us. He had very specific teachings there 
2,000 years ago, there as he was sitting in, in the Middle East in that culture, in that context with those people who are so radically different in, in, in cultural-wise, in, in age-wise, as far as history has progressed, radically different world it would seem that they, that they lived in than we do today. And yet the words that Jesus spoke to those people applied so directly to their lives. And yet we read this word 2,000 years later. And friends, it is so applicable to today, to this culture, to this time. His word is timeless. And his teachings are timeless. And his truth is timeless. And we can soak in that, in that tonight. He is known as the Sultan of Brunea. Brunei, I think is how you pronounce that correctly. The Sultan of Brunei. And he is a very rich man. My Sunday school class, I told them I was going to be sharing this story uh, tonight. Ruling over the tiny kingdom of Brunei, which lies on the island of Borneo, just south of Vietnam, the Sultan is one of the few absolute monarchs in the world today. The natural gas and petroleum fields of this really tiny nation has given the sultan and his family a net worth of over $20 billion. Now what makes this monarch unique as opposed to other monarchs is that this individual is the owner of the largest car collection in the world. I said this morning in class about the largest car collection in the world, and one individual says, well, is that Jay Leno, who is an American, who is an American uh, TV personality who has a rather large car collection, his car collection of 181-plus cars and however many motorcycles is very well known. I give you those numbers first because I want to put you this in context. The Sultan's vehicles are mysterious. Not everything is known about it. He has them locked up, right? But journalists have observed and talked and reported and stuff. And one estimate we get of the Sultan's number of vehicles is north of 7,000 vehicles that this man has in his collection. It's a lot of vehicles. And they're not Chevys, and they're not Dodges. 600 Rolls Royces, 550 Ferraris, 380 Bentleys, among thousands, most likely, if the reports are accurate, others. The story goes that when the Sultan or one of his relatives, and of course, he being an absolute monarch, has all of his relatives in in power around him. His finance minister is either his nephew or his brother or something like that. There's nothing suspicious about that, of course. Uh, but when one of them wants to purchase a sports car, one of these very expensive sports cars, they put out an order for 100 of them, all in the same color. They just order 100 in a shot. 100 Bentleys, all in the same color, in one shot. 100 Porsches, one shot. That's how he orders his vehicles. Included in his collection, though, are some of the rarest cars in the world. 
He has had Bentley make special one-of-a-kind vehicles that you say the name and nobody knows the name. Why? Because there's only one in existence. He commissioned Bentley to make, I think, at least two or three special one-of-a-kind vehicles for his collection. Mercedes, no, that was BMW. BMW released a concept car that had like a 12-cylinder engine or something like that. And he told, he told BMW that he wanted them to make him one of those real cars. So BMW made one real car based off of that concept car. It's in his collection. The list goes on and on. Antique cars that are extremely rare. He owns Ferraris that, you know, only a thousand of these were made. Only a couple hundred of these were made. He owns one or more of these, of these cars are in his collection. In fact, some estimates put his collection at worth $5 billion worth of vehicles in his collection, money that he spent. And if that 7,000 car report is accurate, this means that you could line the Sultan's cars up bumper to bumper for 20 miles. You could start out here on 15, the new Columbia exit at 15, and line his cars up bumper to bumper, and they would pass the Sealands Grove Ford dealership at the under, other end of the strip down in Shemokin Dam. That's how many cars and we're not talking about Chevys and Dodges. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars for one car, millions of dollars for some of these cars, multi-millions for many of these cars in his collection. I think it would safe to say that this man treasures cars. And that this man has his heart, at least in some part, in his cars. But you know it's interesting? Where has it gotten him? Because today, due to financial difficulties that the Sultan has run into, for the last 17 or so years, if I remember the number correctly, those vehicles in the Southeast Pacific are locked up in a warehouse with no air conditioning, no maintenance, and no employees. Five billion dollars worth of vehicles are rotting in those facilities today. Where has it gotten him? What does it produce? For car enthusiasts, it's extremely sad. These are some of these cars are, are collector items. I'm just some of the most extreme collector cars in the world. But there they sit, rotting. One person said, one estimate was like, well, if, if the cars are still in great condition, every seal and every hose at least, and every one of those vehicles has to be totally replaced. And that's counting up the rest of the vehicle. The interior humidity has not destroyed the interior of those lavish cars. It's a, it's a waste, but where has putting his treasure, where has putting his heart in these vehicles gotten him today? It seems almost in a literal sense, Christ's word from our passage, where moth and rust doth corrupt. They're useless. They're rotting away. No value. Losing their value. We'll have no value to, if he leaves them there and they're never restored, they'll have no value to any person later on down in life. Gone. Gone. Moth and rust doth corrupt. 
None of us here this evening are in the same boat as the Sultan. At least, I'm not aware of any of you that own 7,000 cars. But, but we are extremely blessed people. American citizens are, are, are some of the most extremely financially blessed people in the world. I was looking some of the statistics up in preparation for this message. You realize that the average American household brings in six times the amount of money per year the average Russian or the average Chinese household does. Six times. And compared to Mexico, that number goes up to approximately seven times the amount of money comes into the average, the median American household income versus those countries across seas or even against our border. Our economy as a whole, it's in a slump right now and seems to be in a slump, but regardless, has performed better and provides more opportunity than most economies around the world. Free, free market enterprises made it possible that with hard work and good business sense, you can probably most likely become wealthy and do well financially in our nation. It is set up that way for the most part. Our nation praises people who do this. We lift them up as heroes we want to emulate. You look at, look at Elon Musk and Bill Gates, some of these rich people. They're always wanting to interview them and ask them about all these deep questions about life. Why? Because they're so extremely wealthy. There's even a false gospel movement in our nation that insists that if you are a Christian, then God's plan for your life is to make you extremely wealthy and that you just need to believe in that and God will do that for you. All around us, we're bombarded with this message that money and things are the answer and the way to happiness. Money will bring you joy. Things will bring you peace. If you just get that thing, you will feel better. It's the, it, it is the whole underlying idea of the marketing industry today. Convince people that they will be better, they will feel better, and they will be happier with the thing you are trying to sell. And so regardless of where you are, whether it's a billboard, whether it's an ad on the internet, whether, whether it's in the newspaper, we are bombarded with the message that happiness and joy and peace is brought about by having more money and having more stuff. Admittedly, things are nice, and, and nice things are nice, and yet this nation, and even a portion of our so-called church world, and, and even people within the church are buying into this money-crazy fever. And all around us, people are doing their best to store up treasures on earth. And friends, if we're not careful, we too can slip into this mindset and this ideology. It's worldly. It is an ideology of the world. It is the definition of worldly. It is a worldly mindset that we're bombarded with all the time, that we're tempted to. Maybe you're not tempted to, but I, I know I'm tempted to. I've been tempted to. Buy into this concept of money, money, money. Things, things, things. And it is a spiritually deadly trap. And that's why Jesus warns of it here. I tell you this evening, friends, that that idea of money, 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 things, 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 is not God's plan 
for your life. It's not his purpose for your life. It's not his plan for your life to all be all about money, 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 things, 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 possessions, possessions, possessions. That's not what God has for your life. He didn't redeem you, transform you. He doesn't keep you so that you can live your life for money or things. God's plan is much, much bigger than that. And in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this issue that has tempted many people down throughout history. Jesus says, don't store up your treasures on earth. You know, there are a lot of things on earth that can become treasures. Nice cars are nice. The Sultan had some pretty nice cars. Nice homes are nice. Retirement counts are nice. Four-wheelers are nice. Hunting equipment is nice. Hunting and fishing trophies, those are nice. Book collections are nice. RVs are nice. Wood shops are nice. Home gyms are nice. Savings accounts are nice. And the list can go on and on and on. And each one of those things, and so many more, are nice. They, they're, they're nice things. And really, in and of themselves, there's nothing specifically wrong with those things. And yet, each one of those things, and really all of them, or many of them combined, can become our treasure here on earth. So what makes it a treasure, you ask? Is it, is, it, is, is it the value of the item? Is it the fanciness of the car or perhaps the square footage of the house? No, it's verse 21 where Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <clears throat> See, anything really in this world, money or possession, can take our heart. And when that becomes the case, it becomes idolatry. The item, the amount of dollar bills now has more significance in your life than God. And you spend more time focusing on it than you do on God. And friends, again, this is not God's plan for your life. Jesus mocks the futility of storing up things as treasures. He says, moth and rust corrupt, thieves break in and steal. Now, if you're a science nerd or you're currently maybe studying this in school, then you might be familiar with the second law of thermodynamics. As I understand it, which is a limited understanding, it is a complex law related to the transfer of energy and heat among objects, okay? But in the most basic layman terms, this scientific law tells us that things are going to go from order to disorder, that things are going to deteriorate, that unless you exercise and put energy into something, it over time is going to go. Now, name a possession that does not deteriorate. Name something that doesn't unless you maintain it, unless you keep it. I mean, Toyotas can probably go a lot longer than Chevys without maintenance. But, <laughs> but even the 400,000-mile Toyota will eventually break. Or the Honda will have a tree fall in it. Either way. But, a, um, but regardless of the situation, it doesn't matter what it is. It's going to deteriorate. It's going to... All the Sultan's cars, right there is an example. Millions, billions of dollars in cars. 
deteriorating, rotting. The million-dollar price tag didn't keep it from this. Jesus is pointing this out. Jesus is saying rust and uh, moth and rust is going to corrupt it. It's going to be eaten away. This is the way the universe has worked since the fall of Adam. And if you're putting all your value, all your treasure, all your heart into things and possessions... Jesus is pointing out the fact, you're pointing it, you're doing all that for something that's going to fail. You're putting everything on something that is deteriorating, that, 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 is, that is wasting away, that, that is going to fail. And thieves break in and steal. I'm glad to live in central Pennsylvania where it's not as concerning as it was in Martinsburg, West Virginia about breaking in and stealing. That, that just the different cultures where, I, where my parents live and here, it's different. But people still steal. There's still theft that happens. ATVs still get stolen. Things still happen. Uh, you know, people still take Things. And so even, even if you maintain it, even if you keep it nice, even if you do all these, put all this energy in so the, roth and, the rust and moths don't get it, the thieves come through and they get it instead. And there it goes. And all your heart and all your value and all your treasure, gone. And Jesus mocks that. He says, what worthlessness. Look at that. Let's step back and look at that and compare that. What it really is is like in Christ's point it is foolish for someone to put their treasure or their heart into something as unstable as money and things friends Christ has a better plan for your life okay so what is this better plan you ask friends it's the way of the kingdom of heaven and this is what Jesus is talking about the whole way through Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to come to it here later on in this chapter. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's centering on the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying there? You have all this, these foolish, you can make these foolish decisions to put all your treasure and all your value into these things that are unstable and will rot away and get stolen. Or you can put your value, you can put your treasure into his kingdom where none of that will ever happen. He is saying to put your value in and work for the benefit of the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom. This is a beautiful thing. God, God gives his children, think about this for a second. God gives his children the privilege of investing in God's kingdom. You know, in the stock market, to invest in the stock market, it, it's so locked up, you've got to go through broker after broker after broker to actually invest in the stock market. If you're invested in the stock market, uh, whether you understand that or, or not, actually, you're probably whoever your broker is, is actually uh, working uh, for another broker, has, and he's bought on, and it may be two, three, four people back to it's the actual stocks that are bought on the stock market, right? So it actually takes, you actually have to have connections, you actually have to have somebody to work with to invest in the stock market if you want to invest in the stock market in America. God gives his children the privilege of freely, without going through anyone else, you can put investments in his kingdom. You can put investments in his kingdom. 
don't need a broker. I can go to Jesus and I can put investments in his kingdom. He's opened that up for his children. He isn't like some of these big, big investment companies that block off investments from other people because they, the, they want to get all the investments. No, God opens it up to all of his children, investing in his kingdom. He extends a call to you and to me to invest in his kingdom. And that call, that call isn't reserved for, for the preacher. That call isn't reserved for the missionary. That call is to all of his children. You can invest. You can store up treasures in his kingdom. When you're saved, you join God's kingdom. And so now you have a calling to work in and for the kingdom. Christ's mission on earth was to inaugurate his kingdom. It's a never-ending kingdom. It lasts for eternity. And it, 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 it's, it, it's here and it's inaugurated in part. We'll, we'll understand the kingdom fuller when, when Christ returns and when Christ rules the world and when, when we live for, forever and ever in the new heaven and new earth. That will be the fulfillment of his kingdom. Right? We just have a part of his kingdom. But, but it's not limited geographically. It's not limited by rulers and nations of this world. It's, it's a spiritual kingdom. And we're part of this kingdom. It's in a war. It's in a war against evil. It's with a mission. It's rescuing souls. It has a purpose to glorify God and bring him praise. And Christ said that when you work in his kingdom, you are doing work that will last for all of eternity. When you store up treasure in, in his kingdom, it won't be destroyed by moths, rust, thieves, or the second law of thermodynamics. It is a kingdom into which thieves are not able to penetrate and steal. It's a kingdom with a purpose and with a calling. And it's a kingdom that needs your heart. You have to put your heart into that kingdom. Your treasure stored up in that kingdom rather than in things of this world. Christ is communicating in this passage that you either live, and he, he, Christ brings it, it's not a both-and situation for Jesus here. It's an either-or. Not a both-and, an either-or. He gives a direct dichotomy between treasure in the world and treasure in his kingdom. You can't do both. It must be one or the other. It's reinforced in verse 24 where Jesus says that you cannot serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. It's impossible to serve both God and money. And friend, if your heart is given to money or things, it is not given to God. Exodus, God is jealous of your heart and he is jealous of your devotion. Now, now at first that may sound off because isn't jealousy a sin? Well, jealousy is a sin when you're coveting something that, doesn't, that you're not worthy of, that doesn't belong to you. But when God is jealous, he is desiring of your devotion. He's worthy of your devotion. He wants your heart. He's worthy of your heart. And so it's no sin. It's nothing wrong. He deserves those things. And he's after those things. And he says, those things are for me, not for anything else. And when you focus in on things or on money, 
your heart, your devotion that belongs to God is being put on those things. Christ says, rather have the singleness of focus. This is where the light of the body, he says, is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. What he's saying there is, if your eye is focused right on Christ, then a shining light into you, into your body. He's using this illustration. But when your eye gets off of Christ, the eye must be single, must be on Christ singly, but when it's off, it's casting you into darkness. And he said, if, if that's off and casting you into darkness, how great then really is that darkness? God's message and plan for our life then is quite clear. Don't let your heart and your focus in life be on treasures of this world. Don't let it be caught up in money or things, but rather let your treasure, your heart, your focus be concentrated on Christ and his kingdom. It is to this great calling that Christ beckons, and it is this privilege that Jesus calls. Friends, it is a battle. It can be a battle. It can be a fight. Not a losing fight, not a losing battle, but friends, some people, myself, this is a temptation in my life. In fact, recently, several months ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, Denver, your eyes are getting on to money. You're caring about that too much. And I had to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. That is not where I'm headed. That's not what I want to do. Lord, help me. Get my eyes off of that. Help me have the right focus and the correct thing. And he does that. It's not a great... I'm thankful for the Lord's correction. It isn't a great feeling when he corrects you. But I'm thankful for his correction. And I'm thankful that he helps. And so this area in my life, friends, I'll readily admit that for some, this can be a temptation this can be a battle, but the Lord has a better way. The Lord has a greater way. And you know, when you, when you get your eyes focused on those things, it becomes bondage. It does. You start to feel bondage about these things. They start to just overwhelm you. But when your eyes are focused on Christ, that bondage doesn't have a grasp on your life because Christ has set you free. And I give him praise for that. I'm thankful for that reality, that we can live in that freedom. And so I want to tell you, as preaching this tonight and speaking on this tonight, friends, our eyes, our treasure, our heart cannot be focused on things or money, no matter how much our society says it should be. But it must, it must be in Christ. And in his kingdom. And you know what? Through his power, through his grace, it is totally possible. It is totally livable and practical because Christ makes us free. But there's one more question to be answered. How then, in light of all of this, should we view the earthly possessions and money we are given? Does Christ's teaching here in Matthew 6 mean that you shouldn't own anything? That you just should give up, just make sure, give all, everything away, don't own anything. It's a fair question worthy of our consideration. I present to you tonight two parables. One, in Luke 12, we read this account, and the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord, made, his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? 
Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he have. In Matthew 25, we read another parable, and I'm going to paraphrase the parable for you tonight. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who is going to travel into a far country. He gathers his servants together and gives them his goods. One he gives five talents, one he gives two, one he gives one. Every man according to his ability, and that, that man, that ruler, left and went on his journey. The person who gave, received five talents went, traded, made five talents off of it. The person who was given two talents went, traded, made two talents off of that. And, and, and after a long time, and the one who got one talent, he goes and digs a, a hole in the ground and puts a talent in there and covers it up. Well, then the, the ruler, this master, comes back. And so he that had been given five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, you gave me five talents. Behold, I've gained five more besides. Here you go. The Lord said, you've done good. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee rule over many things. Enter into the joy of my Lord. This, the one who received two talents comes and said, Lord, you gave me two talents. I, I've gotten two more talents for you. And the, and the Lord said unto him the same thing he said unto the first guy. But then the one who had received only one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man. You reap where you don't sow. You gather where you haven't strawed. I was scared. I went and hid the talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast. Here it is. It's yours. And the Lord answered and said unto that servant, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew all of this about me. You could have least put it in the bank where I could have gotten interest off of it. Take therefore the talent from him. Give it unto the one who hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast thee the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the first parable, the Christian is compared to a wise steward who responsibly handles his master's money and possessions. In the second parable, we are told that we are given the responsibility to wisely handle what God has given us in order to benefit his kingdom. All that we have, our money, our possessions, our things, really isn't our money. They aren't our possessions, and they aren't our things. It all belongs to God. And our responsibility is to be a wise steward with what God has given us. Not in light of what we can benefit from it, but Lord, how can I serve you with what you have given to me? Lord, it's yours. I want to be faithful. I want to do my best with what you've given to me. That's how you handle money and possessions in God's kingdom, you live as a wise steward, honoring God and lifting up his kingdom. So in conclusion, friend, maybe you've put too much value in your money or in your possessions. Friend, if you're in that trap, may I encourage you tonight, go to God and talk to God about it. 
Go and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You're bringing this to my attention. Maybe you've known about it and you haven't gone to God yet. Maybe God's just bringing it to your attention. Friend, go to him in repentance saying, Lord, I'm sorry. These things have my heart, but I don't want it to be that way. Lord, will you help me? I'm choosing you over these things and over money. And by his grace, friends, it's always, always by his grace, you then can live forgiven from, by him. Live in a way that honors and pleases him when it comes to money. Shall we stand together this evening? Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you that your word is still applicable today. Jesus, help us to live lives pleasing to you. God, help us to be wise stewards, we pray, of, uh, of our possessions, Lord, of what you've given us. May we use it to bring honor to your kingdom. May we live that, that, that what we've been given, Lord, really is yours, and we'll live in such a way that it brings honor and glory to you. Jesus, would you have your way with every one of our hearts tonight. Help us to live for the kingdom, pleasing Jesus. We give you praise in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.